We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking the Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Indianapolis Colts projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz. I am coming to you solo for this episode. Uh, Curtis had something come up tonight. He and I do, though, plan on recording a podcast Tuesday night this week. So that should be available on Wednesday morning. And then I will be back with another podcast likely similar to this one later on in the week i hope that everybody is doing well is getting ready for the incoming nfl season and as as pumped up as i am so we are going to talk in this episode through a couple of teams or really three teams here that i think there are a number of challenges in projecting um, for some obvious reasons that we'll talk about, uh, a lot of that has to do with change and it being hard to develop baseline expectations off of which you can start to roll things forward into the context of the current year. Now, if you have just started listening to the show, you're going to want to go back maybe about a month ago and find an episode called Projection Primer, where I talk about some of the pitfalls of projections, kind of how we do the process, ways that you should contextualize them and how you should think about projections as you're preparing for a coming season. Uh, with that out of the way, here is today's FFPC stat attack. We are going to be talking about the Colts and let's just take a minute to appreciate the madness that was Jonathan Taylor's 2021 campaign. The man was an RB1 in 71% of weeks. He played 17 games and failed to get 10 or more points only twice and finished worse than an RB2 just 12% of the time. He also was first in rushing attempts, 17 in targets, naturally number one in rushing yards overall, 13 in receiving yards, 
one in total touchdowns, one in total PPR, two in PPR per game, four in expected points per game, and third in fantasy points over expectation per game. Coming into the league, Jonathan Taylor looked like one of the best prospects we had seen in some time. He has delivered. He's going to deliver again this season. As a reminder, head over to the FFPC, myffpc.com. Enter into those best ball leagues, the redraft tournaments, redraft leagues, all of the dynasty contests that they have. Of course, the Rotoviz Triflex leagues, which we believe to be the perfect format for a dynasty league. Again, that is myffpc.com. Yes, we did just use the same sound effect twice. Um, I'm not feeling like getting pretty, pretty uh, creative here with the buttons tonight. But let's just start with the Lions. You're going to have the head coach of Dan Campbell, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. This is a team that won just three games last year. Lost 13 and did put together one tie in 2021 they passed on 58 percent of plays rushed 42 percent of the time and were under the league average total play volume by 16 plays fast forward to this year i have this team operating a bit slower than they did last year falling around 60 plays lower than league average Passing 59% of the time, rushing 41, puts them with a rushing volume of around 400 attempts. We can play with that when we talk about some of these players in the offense. I expect DeAndre Swift to be somewhere around 53% of rushes, 16% of targets. Last year, we saw Swift with uh, a rushing share of 49% and a target share of 18%. Um, With the way that I expect things to fall out this year, I don't see a major change to his efficiency numbers, but with a rushing volume of 212 attempts, 93 targets, 74 receptions, that gets him to around eight total touchdowns. And... If you were to get a sense of where that puts him overall, that does put him in currently in my projections as the RB8. So there are a couple of things that could swing that if you're looking for upside related to DeAndre Swift. One place would be if I am just too low on this team's volume and perhaps they get around 425 rushes and then maybe they pass something like 500 and 86 times. So what would a difference in play volume do to Swift's projection? It would move him up to RB4. So if I am entirely too low on Detroit's play volume, um, and even with those adjustments, I'm only moving them up 30 plays with some of the efficiency numbers for Swift in there, uh, you could see him manage to beat that uh, RB8 expectation and actually crack into the top five. Now, at wide receiver, it's a little bit hard to know exactly how things are going to shake out 
because you have DJ Chark coming into the offense. You have Jamison Williams, who they spent a high round first round draft pick on now in that offense. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is going to be there at tight end. And I already mentioned that Swift could see around 16% of the targets. So how do you break up the rest of this pie? I had a very difficult time settling in on these numbers. And I think that what we're going to have to do to get a sense is see really what things look like when you set these players all to have a similar target share. And then maybe if what things look like if one of them were to really run away with the offense. So where I ended up was having Chark around 14%, St. Brown at 18%, and Jamison Williams down at 12%. I think one of the things we talked about before was that it's easy to have high expectations for some of these rookie wide receivers from a target share perspective. Uh, but for a variety of reasons, which are less important than the result, we tend to see it's uh play out where these rookie wide receivers don't get as high of a target share as one might expect. Um, even in the context of an offense that were to have targets available. So with these parameters, and these are receivers that are operating with fairly similar efficiencies, although St. Brown is expected to have a significantly higher catch rate than Williamson or Chark. Um, to kind of give us a baseline here, with that breakdown, we have St. Brown getting into uh, just wide receiver 39 territory, which is probably much lower than people would expect. That's only 104 targets, six receiving touchdowns, and 864 yards. So if we were to pivot here and say, for example, uh, that we put him down to 14 and DJ Chark gets to 18, what might that look like for him? Well, if we make that change to Detroit's target share and we now look up Chark, we're going to see that he ends up at wide receiver 48, some of that being slightly lower touchdown rate, lower catch rate. Um, so really, if we're hoping that a wide receiver on Detroit is able to make his way into that wide receiver three or territory or better, which if I take a step back from going through the projection process, I actually think that we have a decent chance that we do see one of these guys get into that range. Um, let's see what that would look like, though. How can we shoot Amon Ross St. Brown up up the board a little bit? Well, a catch rate of 69% is very strong. Um, I will tell you that last year, if we looked at his efficiency numbers, we would see that he was actually at a 76% rate, which was very high. A receiving touchdown rate of 6%. Um, my baseline projection for him this year assumes an 8% receiving touchdown rate. And that's really where we're going to be make a difference for him. Um, moving his yards per reception up from 12 isn't going to make a big difference. Let's see if we give him a bump up to a touchdown rate of 10%, which brings his receiving touchdowns up to six. And then maybe say, even if we're real generous, give him 13 yards per reception. And then we move him up to a target share of 22%. 
Now, this feels like it would be a very good outcome for him in this season. If we were to do that, we would get St. Brown to wide receiver. Um, it's looking like that would then put him. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. I need to make one change here. 22. Uh, right, right, right. I changed the wrong receiver. Sorry about that. All right. Let's change St. Brown up to 22%. That's going to put him in at wide receiver 15. So I would say that the highest possible you could see him get to would be wide receiver 15. Again, in a baseline projection, he's much lower. Let's scale this back, though, and just give him 20%. Um, assume that one extra touchdown, and then let's see what happens. We'll put his yards per reception back to 12 which shouldn't make a huge difference. Uh, but this is a more realistic upside projection in my mind. This gets him with those tweaks to be the wide receiver 28. So hopefully that sheds some light on what things could look like for wide receivers in Detroit, what the upside might be for the strongest wide receiver there. And again, why it's hard to envision a huge workload for any one of these wide receivers is that you have DeAndre Swift going over 15% target share. You have the tight end one there likely going over 20%. Um, so when you have three wide receivers that could be vying for the rest of that work, and it's hard to differentiate between the three of them in, in identifying the one that could or should run away with the target share, that's kind of where you get um, kind of stacking them up all somewhere between that 12 to 18% range. Last year, St. Brown did get to a 21% target share, but given the changes with this offense, I don't think that you would project this massive increase. And I think it's all, it's more likely he holds or fades down a little bit, but regardless of exactly what you think there, I think the larger takeaway is that if you are putting together a realistic projection and you're thinking about things from that projection lens, you're not going to see St. Brown becoming a clear cut wide receiver too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's now turn our attention to Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville for obvious reasons, is a very difficult team to project. We don't really have any good data or information about what Trevor Lawrence could look like without Urban Meyer, what these players in this offense could do when you don't have a season where everything just blows up, and now you're bringing in Doug Peterson. So you have to make a lot of assumptions as you head into your projection for the Jaguars this year. Obviously, you can look at some of the things that Doug Peterson had done in the past. Um, You can try to glean into some of the things that the offense did last year in Jacksonville, but it's very hard. So last year, the team did run 988 plays, which was 42 less than the league average over the last four Four seasons, they've been below league average every single time. They ran 595 passing plays, 392 uh, rushes. That was a 60-40 split. Now, Doug Peterson's last year in Philadelphia as a head coach, he also had a 60-40 split. He had a 60-40 split um, the year before that and generally was running around 100 plays. So if those teams in Philly, which were likely more competitive... We're getting to um, around 1,000 plays in a 16-game season. I think it's fair to have a projection that's not going to put this team over league average. But out of curiosity for this process, let's say that they do get to league average and they have that uh, split with 40% rushing, 59% passing. That would get this team to around 615 passing attempts, 426 rushing attempts. And I want to focus in on the wide receivers here. I am of the opinion that we see Christian Kirk be the most targeted wide receiver, seeing around 20% of the offense. I think LaVisca Chenault and Zay Jones both settle in around 10 to 11%, which puts Marvin Jones around 16%. And this projection assumes that we see Travis Etienne get around 11%. Now, last year... Um, Marvin Jones saw 20% of the offense. So that 16, 16% number, if it feels high, I think is reasonable given what we saw last year. Of course, Evan Engram is arriving, but I do not see him being a tight end with how we've seen his career progress the last couple of years that really commands a high percentage of looks. So with an assumption where we have Christian Kirk, uh, 12.8 yards per reception, 66% catch rate, receiving touchdown percentage of seven, we end up with Kirk actually coming in with a pretty solid projection um, of wide receiver 30. Now, you might argue with that being solid or not, but let's go play with some of these inputs. I think that we can leave the team level inputs the same. 
Let's see what could happen, though, if Kirk got to 22% and managed to get to an 8% receiving touchdown rate. I think that you're not going to see any drastic change up, uh, likely, in those yards per reception number. So we'll let those hold. With those tweaks, you could see Kirk getting to uh, wide receiver 20. And in what scenarios does that happen? Uh, well, I think it could happen, honestly, in a fairly easy way, which is if Doug Peterson turns out to be a better than average NFL head coach, which I think some people would say that he is, alongside Trevor Lawrence being a slightly better than average NFL passer, which is definitely still in play. So, of course, things could go the other way where we see Christian Kirk losing target share. Uh, let's say he were to get a 16% target share. And then we regress that uh, receiving touchdown rate to around 6%. What happens then? I think in that scenario, you see Kirk finishing as a wide receiver as the wide receiver 44. So range of outcomes for Kirk this year in Jacksonville looks like a most likely outcome probably is a wide receiver three could become wide receiver two downside is a wide receiver four. Um, with the way things currently hold, it looks like LaVisca Chenault, Zay Jones do not factor into things unless the unforeseen happens. And one of them is to rise up that depth chart and that target uh, share ranking for the team there. Um, now, ETN, I slate him in with a 55% rushing share and an 11% receiving share. So I think he's the other interesting player to look at. That baseline projection for him there. Uh, gets him to be the RB11, which is a pretty strong projection. And that assumes uh, 4.1 yards per carry, a 3% rushing touchdown rate, um, and pretty standard numbers as a receiver. And let's say that he gets to a 45% target share and an 8%, or sorry, 45% rushing share, 8% target share, how does that swing things for him? Well, that would move him back to being the RB27. So his projection is a little fragile in that sense that, uh, you know, if you scale back to kind of the bottom of what seems reasonable, it's a, that's a pretty, pretty big shift. Um, the highest I could see him getting for rushing shares around 60%. So if we gave him a 60% a sixty rushing share and said he gets something like tw a 12% target share, that's going to move his numbers up into a level where we see him getting a total of around 10 to 11 touchdowns, going over 1,000 yards as a rusher, and then moving into an RB seven type of territory. Um, so I think if you're thinking about ETN and as we head into the season, what looks like a reasonable 
range of outcomes. And obviously we could look at the range of outcomes tool for a lot of other players for ETN. That's not going to be an option. You're looking at a player that's probably going somewhere around the RB seven to the RB 27. Most likely I would say concentrated between running back 11 and 18. So the final team that I wanted to share some thoughts on projections for would be the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm more concerned with what things might look like for the team's receivers because Jonathan Taylor is just going to crush it. Um, Last year, the team had a play volume that was 15 less than league average, but they had a 51 to 49% rushing split. Um, This year, I think that you're going to see something similar. I think that they might be able to be a little bit stronger in terms of overall play volume than they were last year. You're going to see Jonathan Taylor get to around 68% of rushing attempts, probably a target share of around 11%. Because last year, you had Taylor coming in with a rushing share of 67% and a target share of 11%. You can just hold those numbers where they are, look at an expected rushing touchdown rate of 4%, which gets him to 14 rushing touchdowns. That's even taking things down from where they were last year. You can take down his yards per carry. You can set things to a very average Jonathan Taylor type of season and you just end up with him running away with the title of RB1. So how does this impact the team's wide receivers? Well, we're going to see a passing to rushing ratio that's going to be more flat than most teams would be. Matt Ryan coming in, I have him completing about 67% of his passes with just 24 passing touchdowns. Um, to give you some some insight there, that puts Matt Ryan as the quarterback 25. And this is something we've been talking about. Matt Ryan might not be completely washed. Hey, he could still be an average Matt version of Matt Ryan. But with this play volume of 558 passing attempts and just normal efficiency, given this group of receivers, you're not likely to see this offense take a huge step forward from a passing perspective. Um, Just look at the receivers, right? Michael Pittman Jr., you can project for tremendous volume for the player that he is. 26% target share. Alec Pierce, the rookie, you could be generous, give him 15%. Paris Campbell around 12, Ashton Doolin around 10. It's hard heading into the season to think that either one of those guys is going to be able to get a large share. And then Alec Pierce, as we talked about with rookies, probably not going to get beyond that 15% piece. So you are left then with Michael Pittman really is the attractive option. I think that people view Pittman as the attractive option for that very reason that you could give him a 66% catch rate. Well, let's just look at what he did last year and see how we can build upon that. So Pittman last year, at 26% target share, catch rate of 68%, 12.3 yards per reception, and a receiving touchdown rate of 7%. So Curtis and I have talked about how we don't know that you can project Matt Ryan as this big upgrade over Carson Wentz. But let's do this. Let's say that his catch rate comes in 
at 68%. Let's say that his yards per reception get up to 13. And so I said last year he was at a receiving touchdown rate of 7%. I think that it would be hard for this to happen, but let's bump him up to receiving touchdown rate of 9%. That gets him to nine touchdowns. That feels like a very solid year for Michael Pittman. And that does get him to wide receiver 10. So I think that it's perfectly fair from a a projection perspective to be higher on Pittman than what Curtis and I have said about the Colts and about Matt Ryan this year would lead you to believe. I think that that's probably like a best outcome type of projection. I think that it's more realistic if we drop some of those numbers down to around a catch rate of 66%, maybe around 12.1 yards per reception. And the receiving touchdown percentage, I think is the piece that's going to be hard for this team to have Pittman take a large step forward in. I think a rate of around 7% feels a little bit more fair. And as a result of that, um, you're going to see that losing some of these numbers when you're at wide receiver 10 has a pretty big impact because those changes move him down to the wide receiver 16. Now, I get that that's only six spots in the rankings, but I think the way that you're going to draft a player that you are thinking of in your mind, because you're also factoring an upside in your mind, right? And if you're viewing a player as a wide receiver 10 type of player, you're thinking that there's a potential for them to creep into the top five. I think in the case of Pittman, the best outcome is probably a low end wide receiver one, like right on the cusp. If we go into underdog ADP right now, I'm actually going to open up a draft I'm in that started very recently. And we'll see if we can find just how high Pittman is going. Um, I'm seeing him as the wide receiver 14 and underdog, which I, I guess then I would have to rule is probably fair. Um, but the final thing I'll say is from a projection standpoint, it is very hard to come up with a compelling reason that things are much different this year for Pittman than they were with Matt Ryan or excuse me, than they were with Wentz when you look at some of the numbers between Wentz and Ryan. So if you're high on Michael Pittman this year, I want you to be high on Michael Pittman because of the player that you think he is and the fact that there's just not a whole lot of competition there for him in the receiving game. I do not want you to view this as a huge jump up uh, that you're going to get from Matt Ryan because those numbers from last year, touchdown rate of 7%, going 12 plus yards per reception, um, getting into the high 60 type of range um, from a catch percentage. Those are type of numbers that are going to be very hard to raise uh, bringing in most quarterbacks. Um, Unless you have a rare type of connection or you were to bring in a quarterback that would transform that entire offense for the better. So I think my conclusion here is that, uh, you know, we might've been a little bit too hard on Pittman with, you know, as a proxy of him just being involved in the Coats offense. Um, But hopefully that projection gives you a little bit of insight into how you can think about what to expect from Pittman Jr. this year. 
Uh, to kind of sum things up in Detroit, to me, DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown seem like the most interesting options. Uh, I favor St. Brown. In Indianapolis, it's for me really just Pittman in the receiving core. Uh, I think Paris Campbell or Ashton Doolin could look like interesting options in late rounds, but it's hard to see a very clear path to them realizing a ton of upside, whereas I think there might be more upside for one of the wide receivers um, in Jacksonville, but I do like Christian Kirk the most in Jacksonville. All right, Curtis will be back tomorrow. My plan is we are going to play a game called Fact or Fiction where I'm going to throw out some statements uh, that are being made post-2022, and Curtis is going to predict if at the time those statements would be fact or fiction. We will see you then. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.